0: Welcome to our online video series, Reading, Hope, and Trying Times. Our guest today is the Reverend Jackie Lewis. When she was eight years old, Jackie hid under her bed as bullets flew in a Chicago neighborhood following the assassination of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. In that moment, she felt called to work for racial equity in the United States. After graduating with an MDiv from Princeton Theological Seminary, Jackie fell in love with Urban Ministry, leading two churches in Trenton, New Jersey. She returned to graduate school for a PhD in psychology and religion from Drew University. Jackie came to study at Middle Church in New York City, received a call, and joined the staff in January 2004. Jackie is a womanist whose preaching, teaching, speaking, writing, and activism are aimed at racial equality, gun control, economic justice, and equal rights for all sexual orientations and genders. Jackie has preached at the Festival of Homiletics, Wild Goose, Children's Defense Fund's Haley Farm, and was a featured speaker on the Together national tour with Glennon Doyle. Jackie created MSNBC.com's Just Faith, in which she presented unorthodox conversations about culture and current events through the, lenses, through the lens of progressive faith and spirituality. Other media have feared, featured Jackie in Middle Church, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Associated Press, Ebony, Essence, CBS, CNN, NBC, ABC, and MSNBC. Ordained in the Presbyterian Church, Jackie is the first African American and the first woman to serve as a senior minister in the Collegiate Church, which was founded in New York City in 1628 and is the oldest continuous Protestant church in North America. Jackie's books include The Pentecost Paradigm, Ten Strategies for Becoming a Multiracial Congregation, the Power of Stories, A Guide for Leaders in Multiracial, Multicultural Congregations. And the children's book, Why, excuse me, the children's book, You Are So Wonderful. Jackie is an Auburn Senior Fellow and is currently at work on a spiritual memoir. Go deep, get naked, and come clean. Getting a grown-up God. <laughs> I'm also happy to say that Jackie's been a featured speaker at several of our conferences. So welcome, Jackie. It's so wonderful to be with you today.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for asking me to come and talk today. I'm really excited about spending some time with you.
0: Well, you know, I have to point out again the title of one of the books, um, Ten Strategies of Becoming a Multiracial Congregation. I mean, you know, you have really been known as a leader in that, and a a leader in, you know, I think making church revitalized in many different Mm -hmm. ways. So um, thank you for all of the wonderful work that you've done in that area.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Middle is the most joyful thing I've ever, besides marrying John, I think. Uh, it's one of the most <laughs> joyful uh, things in my life as being the pastor of that church and to, to participate in this wild experiment. because it's, it's a wild experiment to have that much diversity in one place uh, around race and ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, class, even religion. There are Jews and Muslims in our church. Um, it's wild. It's fun.
0: Well, your church is very well known as a wonderful place, so it's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. So uh, why don't we start by just uh, having you share your thoughts on what we're going through, what the impact has been, what you've yeah. been able to take away from it so far.
1: Yeah. Brian, this morning I, I went for a walk, and I, I was trying to clear my head from a feeling of overfunctioning. I, I think a lot of us are over-functioning right now. This pandemic makes me, I'll go back to my I statements, feel so uh, overwhelmed that I think, what can I do to fix what? And there's a big list. So how many people can you call? How how many times can you record your worship piece so that it is perfect? Uh, How many talks can you do with people about this moment? Because the, the doing something makes you feel more in control. So I'm starting our talk with a candid. I'm walking and talking to one of my friends. And I'm saying, I am the one. you know. I'm the one. I, I have to this and this and this and this. And I think to myself that what this pandemic is doing is showing the nation who we are, our underbelly, our inequality, The way our essential workers are black women, brown women, the way some people can't uh, isolate in place because they don't really have places to isolate. Like all of that is being shown to us. It's also showing us the very best of ourselves. The way people are getting food for their neighbors or, you know, checking in on each other. The way our first responders are out there in the streets doing the thing, going home, coming back, going home, going back. It's showing that. But it's also showing us our stuff. So I'm seeing my stuff. (laughs) I'm seeing my, God, if I just work a little harder, I can make it better self. And she's always there, Brian. But the pandemic is showing me her, that Jackie, that overfunctioning Jackie. And I'm asking myself, what's the spiritual message for me as a pastor? And I wonder how many other people might need to ask themselves that question as well. Does
0: that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. And I mean, you know, you do accomplish so much. You've got lots of things going on and, and, and lots of responsibilities in many directions. So it's not surprising, you know, that there's this feeling of um, being overwhelmed. And, yeah. You know, a lot of other folks are in that same boat too. You know, all the different families with different unique situations and yep. health situations, economic situations, childcare yeah. situations. I mean, she it goes is, on and yep. on.
1: Right. And I wonder if I've been wondering, I've been writing a little bit about what does this time out teach us? So again, what is broken in America, what is broken around the globe, inequality, injustice, long incarceration rates for small crimes, people are going to have a death sentence because they can't get out of prison, like make the list of the things that are not great about the globe that we need to fix. We're going to look straight at that now. We have the opportunity to start over and do a, just make it better. But I also think there's something personal about um, a kind of a spiritual examination around what kind of person does each person want to be? What's really important? The parents who always run ragged to make sure that they buy their kids the things. Are those parents going to have a chance to examine that pattern because they're home now and see the way their child lights up because they're home and think about what's important? Will, um, will the people who are rapidly committed to their point of view around politics have a chance to examine where there's an error, uh, where, where there's a, a mistake in their thinking and have a chance to... Uh, have the humanity of all of us shape their politic. I think this timeout has instructions for us.
0: I think there's no question. I mean, I, th- I think it's gonna be a little while before a lot of this can be processed mm-hmm. um, and it'll be a little while before We see what the quote-unquote new normal is going to be like. I think okay. we're, we're going to be in this transition period for an awful long time. Yep. Um, so there's just a lot of uncertainty. But uh but I totally agree with what you're saying about you know we're seeing, you know, the best of things and the worst of things, you know, okay. come out and, and be revealed. Yeah. And be in our face, you know, That's more right. um and, and yeah. less uh able for us to ignore it. Right.
1: We cannot hide. Yes. <laughs> you cannot hide from it. Right
0: exactly. Yeah. So one of the things we've been discussing through this series is just kind of how God has supported us in previous times of challenge and and how we've been able to draw on that now. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been a Christian since my mother's womb. Um, My faith has changed. It's grown up a lot. I talk a lot about having a a grown-up God, meaning I've grown up. So, and I'm an African-American person whose parents were African American, whose parents were African American. So there's a a kind of like a a cultural faith, the black church faith or black folk religion, my friend Ruby would say, that I think has sustained me and my family in these centuries in America. My my mother's mother was a candy striper and picked cotton in the fields to take care of her three kids as a single mom. And she had certain scriptures that were her scriptures, Brian, that were the ones, you know, like, you know, A liar will not tarry in his sight, or the whole Ten Commandment list, or um, pray for your enemies. And she, you know, stuck those scriptures into her kids, and therefore mom and dad bring those scriptures to my siblings and I. I would say the way God takes care of us is complicated, that we, she did pick cotton her husband did leave and go north and left her and her three kids and she did pick cotton and work as a candy striper to survive so it wasn't like a magic uh, prosperity gospel kind of God that that she had Uh, the God the God that my grandmother taught my mother about um, as Mother's Day approaches is a God who is presence a God who understands our burdens, a God who came to live amongst us to know what it's like to be human, which meant to know how to love and laugh and pray and be joyful, but also to suffer, to cry, to, be, to feel betrayed, um, to feel violated. So that's the God that I'm praying to now. That's where I find my comfort now, Brian, is why not this trauma? God doesn't cause the trauma. It comes. We can't pray it away. We can't pretend like it's not here. It is here. We are comforted by a God who understands suffering. We are comforted by a God who loved us enough to come all the way down to suffer with us. I find so much comfort in the life of Christ in this kind of post-Easter time. I think particularly in my story, my story, um, my mom died of cancer three years ago. But Brian, she lived with cancer for eight years. Eight years passed. Uh, you could have a few months. Wow. So the both end in that, right, is, yeah. Um, she, my, my experience of 9-11, I was in D.C., not here in New York. the way way we all rallied around each other, the way we helped each other. Uh, My experience now is of helping, the people are helping and supporting and shouldering it up together. And again, just as an African-American person, the exodus story, um, the abolition movement in the United States, the civil rights movement in the United States, the women's movement, the queer movement, God is a God of liberation. And I think God uses all kinds of things, doesn't cause all things, but uses all kinds of things to make us free. So I'm, I'm kind of digging into what are we going to be liberated from on the other side of this. How will we be freed up from things and thingifying each other? How will we be freed up from busy <laughs> and toiling? And how will we be liberated to enjoy simple things and worship in new ways? That's what I'm thinking
0: about. Good, good. Well, um, you know, being right in Manhattan, in New York City, they're right in the epicenter, at least in terms of the United States, of this whole pandemic. I'd really love to hear, you know, a little bit about all the different ways that your church is reaching out, helping people, and kind of what it's like there.
1: Yeah. Well, I got to confess that about 10 years ago, I bought a house in New Jersey, Brian. Um, with my savings from my life or the world. So I am sheltered in my New Jersey house. um, And my staff are not at the church. We're not at the church right now. So because we believe in social distancing.
0: So that's kind of a quiet building these days.
1: (laughs) It's a a quiet building. But but the church is the people. So we have about 1,300 members. And my staff is calling all the members, writing all the members. We have digital programming. Uh, that includes everything from story time with your kids and dance time to prayers and conversations. Our small groups are online. Our worship is online, and people are are coming to it who didn't know about Middle Church. Today, at 2 o'clock, when you and I are finished, I begin my first virtual coffee dates with middle members. So my uh, colleague Amanda and I are going to do dates like Tuesday through Thursday through June. Our slates are full. Our dance cards are full. People want these moments of just seeing each other and talking. Our deacons have just finished a policy that is in place so that we can help the people who really need help, who can't pay their bills, who can't pay their rent, who don't have food. So we're really excited about, about, I'm going to say, entering back into that place of hand-to-hand justice and love that we've always done. It's difficult to do when you, when you don't have a building. So we're um, finding a new way to think about how to distribute food, distribute funds, distribute care. And New York is like wild. I've been back in the city to check on things. It is so different to see streets empty, to see masks on faces. It's wild. It's a wildly different place.
0: I can totally totally imagine. Um, Well, at least, you know, when I um, launched Compassionate Christianity last fall, I started looking around for prominent worship services that were already online. Yeah. And you guys were one of the ones that I began featuring from the very beginning of that effort because you were. So at least you all were ahead of the curve, (laughs) at least in some regard in terms of uh, doing church online.
1: We, we were. I mean, we are landlocked. We've got buildings on both sides of us. We can't do anything about our sanctuary. We sit 325 people and 1,300 members. So though we worship twice, we can never get everybody in the building. So we started streaming worship about seven, eight years ago. Wow. And it's been shocking to think about how, how that prepared us for this. That, that prepared us for this. And we did our big revolutionary love conference online.
0: I saw that, thought, yeah.
1: 650 people came, three days of conferencing we did online. That was wild wow. wonderful. Great, yeah.
0: That's impressive. Well, congratulations great. for pulling that off.
1: Thank you so much, and thanks to everybody who came, and thanks for all the speakers who showed up anyway. You know, it was really, it was really stunning. And Brian, this technology, Zoom, is like crazy sometimes. You can't see, but I'm grateful for Zoom. And I'm grateful for all the tech companies that are helping us stay connected, you know?
0: Yeah, I often think back to, you know, the, the 1918 pandemic. And, uh, you know, back in those days, people didn't have anywhere near the kind of communication that we do now. So, you know, just think about what all this would, would have been like if people had to isolate and, you know, couldn't even make a phone call, probably.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a totally different kind of a moment. But it's also, like, I wonder sometimes, are people overwhelmed? Are people overwhelmed with all the Zoom meetings? The, the critique we got about the conference was, one more Zoom event, <laughs> you know? And it turned out to be beautiful, and people did hang in for it. But everybody's conversations are just like the one we're having right now. And I think people have some screen fatigue, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But I know one of the things I've experienced out of this is that um, had I – been doing the conferences I normally would have been doing um, this spring, those are typically incredibly busy times. And um, I would rarely get the time to have this kind of a one-on-one conversation in any kind of depth with anyone. Yeah. And now that, you know, um, at least, you know, in my case, I'm isolated at home, um, right. many more of these conversations are happening. And they're happening without geographic constraints. That's correct. And that so right. I'm, I'm actually very thankful for that capability, whether it's Zoom or something I, else yeah. that we were using. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just very glad about
1: it. Me too. I'm an extrovert. I like it. <laughs> I like being able to connect. I do. I yeah. really do. Yeah.
0: So what suggestions do you have in terms of, uh, you know, resources, spiritual practices, et yeah. cetera, that you're recommending to people during this time?
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to t- give advice, and I'm taking myself, and I'm doing better now than I was a few weeks ago. But a couple of things, um, I find myself rereading um, some books that I loved. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor's *Leaving Church*. I'm not sure why it's speaking to me right now, but it is. Her, her, maybe because, yeah, maybe because she kind of took herself on a sojourn, on a journey out of church, and found herself. Someplace else doing ministry, and we're on a sojourn out of traditional church. I'm really loving her prose; is so beautiful, Brian. So I would say to anybody who hasn't read that, read that. I happen to have an advanced copy of Valerie Kors' "See No Stranger," and people can order that now. It is a gorgeous memoir. It it is gorgeous. She's uh, a lawyer, a filmmaker. Uh, A mom, Sikh, is her religion, S-I-K-H, folks. It's not Sikh, but Sikh. And Brian, it is a fantastic memoir and manifesto on revolutionary love, and everyone should be ordering that. Uh, Linda Linda Sarsour's new book um, is uh, We Are Not Meant to Be Bystanders and uh, it's new also. I think uh, April is the published date, and it uh, feels like a really beautiful call to action to me, and it should be on everyone's shelf as we're preparing to come back from COVID and, and get into a new space, and I think everybody should pick something from Howard Thurman to read. Um, Jesus and the Disinherited is the one I went back to, but when you think about more of an introverted sp- spirituality, uh, Brian, that might be needed right now. This wonderful African-American leader of a multiracial church who's really a mystic is, a, is an interesting, fascinating resource. So uh, I've, I've been uh, rotating between those books. In terms of a spiritual discipline, I think it's really easy to center us right now, really easy. Um, and so get up and class hide. And go outside with your mask on if you need to, but get up and go outside and let some fresh air and some vitamin D give you a healing space. And if you need to do a meeting on the phone, take your phone with you and walk. That's what I did this morning. Um, to remember that our bodies are are meant to move and they're not meant to sit and do this all day. So those are the things I'm doing. Um, I would I would say maybe one more thing. Uh, we are sheltered with our daughter-in-law and our son and their two kids, and so lots of my life Brian. I might stop and eat dinner with my husband, John, and then I'll go back to work. But one of the things that's happening is we're getting to Ophelia's rhythm, and she goes to bed at eight o'clock, the two-year-old. And so, like, I'm not working past eight o'clock. So I like that. I like the idea of giving ourselves a nap, or a timeout, or a boundary, uh, so that our lives can flourish.
0: I think that's a wonderful advice, and uh, yeah. since you've been so busy, I'm glad to see that you're taking some of that <laughs> advice to slow down a little bit and, um, you know, smell the roses, so they, they say, and spend so time yeah. with your family.
1: Right, yep, but I'm trying to do that.
0: That's really wonderful. Well, Jackie, I know you're busy. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of that busy schedule to uh, be with us. Uh, you know, your yeah. words and your voice and... And your face, you know, are pretty meaningful for all of us to be able to see and enjoy and and interact with. So uh, I really appreciate you doing that.
1: I really am so thankful for the work you do in the world and for this chance to connect. And I want to remind people that at middlechurch.org, if you are, like, thinking about God and looking for some (coughs) way to connect, um, Sundays we're live at 1145, but our worship is up. And so feel free to go and dig around in our YouTube and find some music that speaks to you. Um, feel free to uh, play that music, share that music. Uh, we put it up so that everybody can have access to it, Brian. So at middlechurch.org, our YouTube channel, our Facebook channel, lots of, um, lots of inspirational music and words from our team to help us get through this time. And there we'll really is.
0: It's a rich source of multimedia, as I mentioned before, yeah. You know, uh, you guys have just done a great job for a long time of getting that out to the world, so thank you. Thank for you, Brian.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm sorry I'm, I'm feeling a little plugged up with my allergies, so forgive me, everybody. <laughs>
0: okay. I think that's happening to us all these days, so not a worry.
1: Yeah, thank you right. so much, Brian. Thank you again. Take care. You Take care. It's good to talk to you. Bye, everybody.